a sermon series called Jesus Revealed. And I believe that Jesus is going to reveal himself tonight to us all. This isn't just church as normal. This isn't just church as usual. We are going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be speaking tonight out of Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31. If you go to the the Uversion app, you can find notes that I have there for you. You just go to the Uversion app, go to events, type in 98360, and the notes will come up. You can even read ahead and then take a nap when you're done. It's a preacher joke, so... Okay, it wasn't that funny. Anyway, uh, and then the notes are also on the app so you can follow along with uh, what God wants to do tonight. Uh, as I was preparing this week, I, I felt so much that this, this wasn't a teaching. It was just kind of a roadmap to an encounter with the Lord. God wants to do some things in this church and in our nation and in the body of Christ as a whole. And I believe that this word is going to unlock some things as it has in my heart um, I think the best sermons are the ones you preach to yourself, and then you hope it just resonates with, with those who are in the room. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and, I'm, and read. I'm, I'm just going to break it down. We're talking about seasons of reformation, and I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is in a season of reformation. And that word reformation is the action or process of reforming an institution or practice. I'm going to say that again. The definition of reformation is the action or process of reforming an institution or a practice. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, I'm going to read uh, 17 through 20 to begin, and I have it up on a slide as well. It says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, talking about Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you that you're in this room tonight, that you're going to shape us, you're going to change us with your word. Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would make this passage come to life. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, this man was in a, the proper position. He came up to Jesus. Now, this was a rich young man, okay? He had wealth, he had equity, he had so many different possessions and things to make his life comfortable, to make his life uh, exciting. He had material possessions of plenty. And he came to Jesus with a question. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an interesting question because he knelt down before him and he positioned himself properly. He positioned himself in a humble position. And he called him good teacher. And I think that this is kind of interesting. As I read this, I realized how many times in my life have I learned to position myself before God properly and to say the right things to God and everything looks good on the outside, but yet inside I'm missing something. Yet inside I am not where I'm supposed to be 
before God. You see, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? He challenges, Jesus is a master at this. He challenges and he says, no one is good but God alone. Jesus is the master of creating tension, right? He always creates these tense moments between him and his disciples, between him and the Pharisees, between him and whoever he's ministering to at that time. He creates these tension-filled moments. And really, it's this tension between the spirit and the flesh, between what, what, what he wants and what we want. And he brings us to this place. And I believe, believe with that question, he brings that young man to this place where this rich young man realizes that he wasn't actually as positioned as well as he thought he was. And as I look at this, I, I, I can't help but, but ask myself, have, do I fear the Lord? Do I fear the Lord enough to come before him with proper spiritual alignment or have I been faking it my whole life? Maybe not my whole life, hopefully not my whole life. But do, how about at some points, do I fake it? And I come to Jesus and I'm asking him a question, just a simple question. Okay, Jesus, I need something from you. This man wants to receive eternal life. And I think so many times, I'm guilty of this, and, and maybe someone at the church down the street is, we approach God with our needs, right? And we like have a Christmas list of things. Okay, God, here's what I need. Here's how I need you to work. Here's what I need you to do in my situation. But yet, we resist him when he calls us to change. We resist him when he wants us to rearrange some things or reform some things in our life. Our position before him is not to get something or not to receive something, but it's to recognize him for who he is. We need to recognize who our God is, okay? He is the savior of all humanity. He is the creator of the universe, okay? He is the one who knits everything together. He's the first and the last. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to become to a place where we recognize who he is. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ in this season, God is saying, it is time to look at me for who I am. It is time to recognize who I am. It is time to shed off the imaginations about who I am and come and realize who I truly am and get to know me. And, and it's, a, it's an interesting statement that he says next. He says, Jesus challenges him with the commandments. And these are pretty, you know, seemingly easy commandments to follow. Don't murder. Okay, that's good. Uh, don't commit adultery. I've been married for 19 years this January. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he's like, ding, 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 ding. I've done it. I have not broken any of these. Jesus' eternal life is mine. Oh, Jesus, he's so funny. <laughs> you see, Jesus is challenging him and saying, yeah, you've done these things. Now that you've done these things, I have something more to offer you. I have something more that I want to give you. And I think that the, the church of Jesus Christ, we have got to start asking ourselves some serious questions. We have got to start asking ourselves some serious questions about our faith. We have got to reform some of our ideologies and some of our spiritual practices 
Because we're coming to a point of, as believers, where what we've always done, and how we've always done it, listen, I've been in church my entire life, okay? Anybody been in church their entire, like you grew up in the church, okay? Do I have anybody in here that was on the puppet team? Remember, remember the puppet team? No? I'm the only weird one? Okay, puppet team doesn't translate in the new generation because we'll give kids nightmares. Okay, I was on an evangelistic puppet team and we would go out and do outreaches and the kids would come from miles around and we'd tell them the good news of Jesus through puppetry. Okay, there's a science to it. Don't knock it. But anyway, I digress. Um, but the way we've done things and the way we've done church, I believe God is calling us to reform. I believe God is not saying, okay, let's go to church so you can check it off your list and feel good about yourself. But I'm saying, come to church expecting to be changed. Come to church expecting an encounter from me. Come to church expecting an assignment. Come to church expecting to have to repent. Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of Brad's sermon last week, you know, I, I know it was just me and the, the people down the street, but it was a it was a message that really challenged me. And, you know, I, was, I got home after church last week, and he was talking about cutting, cutting things out of your life. And the family wanted to watch The Mandalorian, and I was like, I, gotta, I couldn't watch it. I had to go into my back room and, and repent of some things in my life that needed to be cut out so I could get to where God wants to take me. And then I caught up on The Mandalorian later. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> Uh, you know, many times, okay, we'll, we'll get into that later. It's a Star Wars show. It's irrelevant, really, but it's, it's pretty cool. Um, anyway, well, it's kind of funny. I just had one of our high school leaders just texted me and was like, I just saw it. Like, he just texted me when I got up here. Anyway, okay, back to Jesus. Many times we come to God like this ruler, don't we? We have the humble posture. We're doing things right. And I know this is just me in the church down the street, but we come before God and we say, okay, God, I'm ready for everything you have for me. Just don't, don't. I don't want to have to sacrifice anything. I don't want to have to change anything because I, it's comfortable where I'm at. And if I have to repent of my sins, then I'm going to have to go to somebody and I'm going to have to tell them I'm sorry and then I'm going to look stupid. I just, I'll just live this way. And yet we're stuck faking it. I believe that there is a crushing and a shaking that God is bringing to the body of Christ. I believe that that is the season we're in. And we get into this season of reformation, he's going to start shaking things out of us. That's just the bottom line. I mean, I've, I've been in a lot of services, and last week with, with everything that's going on in our state and the stance that we are making, which is a biblical stance, Okay, that gets you to question, you know what? God is doing something that's bigger than all of this. And I want to be one. And if I have to get shaken up a little bit, and I have to get make uncomfortable a little bit, then I'm willing to do that. If I need to repent before my God, that's okay then. If I have to admit I was wrong to my kids or my wife or whoever, I'm okay with doing that. God is calling us out of a doable, easy, comfortable Christianity. And I'm telling you, comfort is not going to get us anywhere especially nowadays, all right? Jesus goes on to say in, in verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. 
Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great many possessions. Jesus looked at him from the eyes of love, and it was so interesting what he said. He says, there's one thing you lack, and what you lack is you're holding on to everything that you have. One thing that you, like, one thing that you lack is your earthly wealth, your earthly possessions, your earthly ideologies, your earthly comforts. That's what you're lacking is you're holding on to them. Now, God has a different metronome of what wealth is, okay? And we're going to talk about, about that word. I, I, I want to just hold off one minute. Um, but he's basically what he's doing to this young man. He's saying, you've got some idols in your life. You've got some idols in your life that you've put in a place where I can't get in because they're in my way. And the only one who can remove them is you. And so he says, this is what you're lacking. And I think, man, have, have I built idols in my life? Have I built up things in my life that will keep me from God? Do I have things that I'm giving my affection to before I'm giving them to God? These are honest questions that I have to ask myself in the church down the street. I have to ask us. Here's the thing. He lacks freedom from the idolatrous burdens. An idol brings you a burden. An idol will make you tired because they cannot satisfy you. They cannot bring you fulfillment. I know because I've tried and I, I mean... Idols can be many different things, but we need to learn the best way to break an idol is to repent. And we pray and we cry out as a church, God, send revival. Send revival to the region. Send revival to the land. Revival doesn't come without repentance. Revival does not come without repentance. And here's the deal. Repentance is not reminding God, like this young man, he said, oh, I've kept all those commandments. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't had uh, an affair with anybody. I have honored my parents. It's not about reminding God of what we've avoided. It's about surrendering to God where we've failed. We have got to realize, we've got to humble ourselves as God people and realize it's okay to go to God with our failures. If we could do that, how much stronger would we be? That's, that's where we always get in trouble. We always get in trouble when we hold on to our failures because for whatever crazy reason, we don't want to admit them. This young man, whether he was sad about selling his possessions or his boat or whatever it was, either way, he wanted to hold on to the idols that he'd put in his life. And he went away disheartened. And he went away sad. And there's things that we build in our lives, and they could be anything. Could be our careers, could be our children, could be our hobbies, could be sports. For me, it could be my ministry. There's so many different things. Dare I say, politics? There's a lot of things that could be an idol. I think the biggest idol in America right now is fear. We are so afraid. And God is saying, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of courage and of a sound mind. We don't need to be afraid. We have got to break the idol of fear off of our lives so that God can restore us and heal us. Jesus said in that statement, he said, give all you have to the poor and I will give you treasures in heaven. God is, the Holy Spirit is calling us to trade earthly things for spiritual things. 
earthly behaviors for spiritual behaviors earthly habits for spiritual habits earthly priorities for spiritual priorities second corinthians chapter 10 3 through 5 powerful powerful scripture right here it says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds anybody need some strongholds destroyed today we carry that power we destroy arguments in every lofty position raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ here's what we have got to understand that there is a spiritual battle raging all around us and whether we want to engage or not it we are a part of that battle but God has said look when you carry the Spirit of God you carry the power to break down the strongholds okay is your health in jeopardy you have the power to break down that stronghold are your kids in trouble are your kids in trouble you have the power to break that stronghold okay do you someone you love in addiction you have the power to shake to break that stronghold we have got to understand the power that God has given us to be victorious in our lives that song we just sang is a song about victory I see a victory the church is a victorious church Sometimes we have to battle for our victories. Sometimes we have to be sustained in our fight for our victories. But the victories will always come. What did Mike just say? If it's not good, it's not over. There is a war going on for our attention, our affection, and our allegiance. There is a war going on for our attention, our affection, and our allegiance and there are distractions at every turn and if I could be honest with you I have fallen prey to some of those distractions okay they want to take my attention off the Lord they want to take the attention off of my assignment they want to take my attention off of his word and they want to like dig their their ideologies into my head so I'm not looking through the lens of scripture I'm looking through the lens of the world a secular lens and God is saying no it's time to reform your mindset that's going to take some effort going now to verse 23 the the scene kind of shifts so the young man comes and he's like Jesus I'm really good and he's like well you're almost there and then he runs away <clears throat> and then Jesus it kind of switches to the scene I, I preach to, to, to young people a lot so like I, I I kind of go off on rabbit trails because with with Gen Z the way to the best way to teach him is you can't just go linear you have to go and then you have to go on a rabbit trail and get all the other teens that are lost and then bring them back you know which is good because that's how how this okay we're not over here we're back here and then you know some will go off and i say that with the great affection to all of them verse 23 through 27 jesus now looks at his disciples and he says this Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, and Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked in them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. 
And I want to take a moment, I want to look at that word wealth. And that word wealth is actually a Greek word, and I'm going to read it. I, I didn't put it up on the slide because I, 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 I kind of, uh, I ran out of time, but you can go and look it up your, on, your, on your own. It says, wealth is a Greek word called krema. It's a Greek word that says krema. And it means business, a thing, a matter, an affair, and an event. Not necessarily what we have, but what we do. And I thought that that was fascinating because basically he's saying this young man and maybe some of us in this room, we have a bit too much to do. We have a bit too much to distract us. We have a bit too much things on the plate. We have a bit many habits or, or things in our lives that are distracting us from what God is calling us to do. When we, we, we live in a busy culture, even with everything that's going on this year, we, 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 we strive to find ways to keep ourselves busy, don't we? We fill our lives with things and doings when God is calling us out of that and he's saying, it's time to get focused on one area. It's time to just get back to focusing about me, reforming your life so that I am the center piece. You know, and I, I just thought that that was... It was interesting, and it, that phrase, it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for those who have wealth. And I just kind of interpreted that saying, impossible things cannot happen if we don't have room or we don't feel we need them in our lives. Let me switch that to make it a little bit more convicting. Impossible things cannot happen if we don't have room or we don't need them in our church. See, God is calling us back to a realm of impossibilities. And everything that has happened this year, we have kind of, I believe, we have put a cap on God, and that cap is fear. And we've said God can't go past the cap of fear. God can't go past this. God can't do this. God can't go and heal this. I'm sorry, can, like, hopefully this doesn't offend anybody, but God can heal COVID-19. God can eradicate it from the planet. He can God is calling us into the realm of impossibilities where we, are ex we need to get to a place again as the church where we are expecting prodigal sons to come home, where we are expecting drug addicts to become free and stay that way, where we are expecting healing in our bodies, where we are expecting marriages to be restored. Okay, that's where we need to live. That's where we need to be. We need to clear out all the noise, all the wealth of noise and influences that we have so that God can infiltrate our hearts and our culture and say, no, there is impossible realm that I want to invade. All you need to do is to partner with it. God is calling us to reform our lives to a place where spiritual priorities are at the forefront. I mean, I look around this room, and I'm not gonna, but I can see where God overcame obstacles in people's lives, impossibilities in people's lives, where people in this room were on their deathbed, but God intervened, and the church believed for an impossibility, and they're here today because God is a God of the impossible. We need to believe again. We need that faith to believe again that God is going to do something so extraordinary in our lifetime that we will tell our 
grandchildren and great-grandchildren about the great things that God has done. He wants to go back to the Bible. I've read the Bible, and I've seen these crazy miracles. But we think, oh no, that's just back for then. The power of the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And guess what? He lives in you. And guess what? He lives in me. And guess what? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We carry that power inside of our lives and in our hearts. You know, we live in a godless we we live in a godless culture. And that godless culture is trying to reform a lot of things. And I believe that the, the hour is now for the church to rise and push back against those. Okay? The world wants to reform what truth is. The world wants to reform what God is. The world wants to reform what marriage is. The world wants to reform what economics is. The the world wants to reform what sexuality is, what marriage is, what gender is. And the church needs to rise and reform our thinking and push back against those things. This is a now moment. This is the time where we need to rise. Bible says... In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 through 21, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We got to realize the fight that we're in. Okay, I've, I've been, you know, uh, and, and you intercessors in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been an intercessor for a long time. I've spent a lot of time in prayer closets, a lot of time in back rooms, a lot of time in closets with three, four people crying out to God. And I have never seen the spiritual warfare take place over our planet like it is right now. There is a massive spiritual battle going on right now. And God is calling the church to grab a hold of the power and to put our differences aside and say, let's push this thing back. We're fighting for our nation. We're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our businesses. We're fighting for the right to worship okay they want to come in and they want to say how you can worship and when you can worship and i'm sorry if i offend you but that's not going to stand in the body of christ because we're going to rise up and we're going to say we're going to worship we're going to push back the darkness now we can be wise we can be there's a now let me say this there's a big difference between fear and caution big difference between fear and wisdom god gave us wisdom to be cautious god gave us wisdom to do the right thing But God never gave us a spirit of fear, okay? Let's be wise, let's be cautious, let's let's do the right thing, but let's not partner with the fear, because that's what the enemy wants. If If he can overtake us with fear, he can silence us. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their light. The Holy Spirit is calling us to the front lines of a spiritual battle. Mike, you can jump back up here and get ready to close. Spent a lot of time with Mike today. And tell you what, man, that guy is a Holy Spirit-filled leader. Okay, let's continue. Peter began to say, see, we have left. Whenever Peter pops up, you're just like, okay. What's he going to say? What's going to (laughs) happen? I'm like, Peter, I relate to him so well. That's why God, like, gave him so much, like, uh, uh, space in the Bible, because he knew people would relate to him so well. He goes, like Peter, I say dumb things. (laughs) Peter began, and that's a total side note. That's what, you know, uh, 
those of you who know my wife and I, Naomi, who's beautiful, uh, we're getting ready to plant a church and we're going to be transitioning out of the youth pastor role. And I'm like, that's going to be kind of lame because as a youth pastor, there's certain things that you can like say and nobody gets super mad. But I, I just have a feeling that might change. I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful. <laughs> Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, trust or truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in this age to come eternal life for many who are first will be last and last will be first. God is saying in this hour, number one is there is power in the agreement when we line ourselves with him. All those things when we have kept, like keeping the commandments should be fruit of an intimate relationship with Jesus. So when I find myself in a place where I'm not aligned with God, I have to check my intimacy levels. Okay, have I, have I, have I, have I been positioning myself in a place where I'm getting under the Holy Spirit, where I'm getting into the Word, where I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life and the answer is no, then I'm just like the ruler and I'm just kind of faking it to make it. It all this flows from intimacy with God. We need to be okay and especially men, we need to be okay with being intimate with our God. Okay? It is a strong word. Okay? Ladies, you want your man intimate with the Lord. Okay? There is a righteous reversal of values between the world and the church. What I'm saying is, I believe that there's some mindsets that we've adapted that is too close or even identical with the world. And God wants to change those things. God wants to change some of the ways we think and some of the ways we do things. God doesn't want us thinking on the natural plane. He wants us thinking on a biblical, supernatural plane. He wants us to think in ways that, that, that are biblical. And, and the, the Bible is offensive to our world's culture. It is offensive. Like, we try not to offend people, and everybody's offended, and I just I've offended people, and I tried so hard not to offend this person, and I ended up offending them even more because I was trying hard not to offend them. When we live our life through the lens of Scripture and we speak with the grace of the Holy Spirit, okay, that offense might just be the best thing for that person that leads them back to Jesus, okay? If, 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 if a pastor comes to me, one of the, my pastor, one of the pastors around here, and, and brings correction to me, and that offends me, I'm in the wrong. You know what I'm saying? I have to be okay with having who I am challenged by godly people to make me more like Jesus. God is saying, that what you surrender to me, I will return more valuable, more effective, healthier, more powerful than we can ever make it. I believe God gives gifts to men and he gives talents to people. And God creates individuals with individual uh, giftings and interests. And I think that those interests are so beautiful. And whatever it is, if your gift is making paper airplanes, <laughs> teach me how and then do it for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was like the worst possible illustration. 
God is calling the church to reveal him to the world, okay? The days of lights and sound are no more. They are not needed. You want to have a big conference with lights and the best music and the best everything doesn't even matter. Because I'll tell you what, all this goes away. Every instrument we have, they take away our property, okay? And we have to have church in a tent with nothing. We still have Jesus. Still have Jesus, okay? finally he says this well he says a few things he says you know you're going to receive a hundredfold I'm going to bless what you surrender to me but there's going to be persecutions I believe that we're coming to a place where we're going to begin to see persecution more and more and I, I tell our students that every single week and I've been telling them that for a while we're beginning to see the very beginning there is a, a demonic attack against the church and they want to keep us silent. They want to keep us ineffective. They want to keep us divided. They want to keep us broken. They want to keep us afraid. Time is now for the church to rise. The time is now for the church to reform and realize what we are really doing. What is our real call is, okay? We don't want to influence culture. I believe we need to change culture. We need to be people that go out into dark places and shed light on really dark areas. There are some darkness out there in our communities, in our families, and we're shedding light to bring healing and restoration and righteousness. And we need to be strong for the battle that's coming. The world we live in has been corrupted by sin. I mean, in every form. And as we form our lives, we reform our church, we'll begin to see, as we begin to reform to what God is doing in this season, it starts with us, and then it starts, like if we all begin to reform, and we begin to say, God, how do I need to change? How do I need to repent? How do I need to be strong? Where do I need to make adjustments in my life? Where do I need to surrender to you? And we begin to do that, what happens is our church community gets strong. When our church community gets strong, the community out there will be restored. And the plans that the enemy has over this city will be exposed and will be destroyed. But know this, when they are exposed, there will be a fight. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready to fight with righteousness, prayer, and the Word of God. Okay? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Principalities and powers, spiritual forces of this dark world. We need to hold true to God's Word. And there may be pain... But guess what? We get Jesus. We were, we, were, we were not put here to be comfortable. We were not put here to be safe. I mean, imagine back, in, back when the church was first made, when there was massive widespread persecution. Survival rate was zero if you get arrested. <laughs> imagine those altar calls. Come to Jesus and you might get executed when we get arrested. You might get thrown into jail on your way out of the building, okay? We live in a great place where we have the freedom to come and assemble. And this isn't, this isn't a, a message meant to, to scare us, but to reform us, to, to, to stir something in our spirits that we have an assignment in this generation and we have an assignment in this season to rise up, to be strong. So here's how I want to end it. And that's the greatest encouragement of all. 
We're here with purpose. If you're over 70, we need you now more than ever. If you're under 10 years old, we need you now more than ever. If you're single, we need you now more than ever. If you have eight kids like us, you can take a break, but then we need you more than ever. Okay? God is calling our church to reform and focus on what he wants to do in this coming season. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Hopefully I'm right on time. I am. I was with Mike earlier today and we were praying over this service. And I believe all this reformation, like I said before, it comes with intimacy. And I want to extend a challenge today that we need to get back to the sacred art of lingering in God's presence. There are things to do. We have to put up chairs and all that. But I think first and foremost, we need to linger in God's presence. We need to ask God some serious questions. We need to say, God, where do I need to be reformed? Where am I posturing myself where I'm not fully surrendered? We need to say, God, what is my assignment in this hour? God, where does my mind need to change? How can I get off the bench and onto the battlefield of what you want to do? God is calling us to be an active church. So what I'm going to do is we're going to sing and I'm going to do this. I'm going to open up these altars. And I'm an old school Pentecostal. I love the altars. Can God meet you where you're at? Yes. Can God meet you in your car? Yes. But I, there's something so sacred about the altar. There's something sacred where my life has many times been changed at altars just like this. So I want to challenge us to a place of reformation, to challenge us to a place where our number one goal is to reveal Jesus to everyone around us. So when we start praying, I'm not going to give a big altar call. I'm just going to say, open up the altar, come and get touched by Jesus. If you need a healing in your body, let us pray with you. If you need to be encouraged with a prophetic word, let us pray with you. There's pastors in here somewhere. They'll pray with you. Okay, if you just need to come and sit under the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to touch you and ignite your soul, let Him touch you. Because He's in this place and I can feel it. I can feel Him. He's close. So when I'm done praying and they start worshiping, come up to the altars. So Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity to preach the Word. I pray that we will be inspired to look like you, to get to know you, to surrender to you, to reform our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to be like you. Because God, I know that you have a call on this church. I know you have a call on these people. And I know that it is time right now to, to become the church that you planned us to be back since, the day, since day one. That we be a strong church, an effective church, a mighty church, a humble church. Meet with us tonight in Jesus' name.